You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. For everything for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer with you. George, it's Titans week. Always, always a big game around town, especially now when you're looking at so far the start for both of these teams. This one also so far off the bat. For me, this feels like the biggest Colts-Titans game since 2018, Week 17, when that was basically a playoff game in Nashville. Winner gets in, obviously, the Colts to win that game to go to the playoffs. How about yourself? Where does this rank in terms of buildup for this big Week 4 game for you? Yeah, I think it's a huge game. I think it's two desperate teams in a lot of ways, right? I mean, I think Jacksonville's kind of put a scare into this division. At least they're going to be a factor. They may not be the favorite or the front runner all year, but I think they're letting everybody know they're going to be a factor in this race. Uh, and now, you know, the loser of this game really puts themselves in a hole. I mean, Tennessee would be one and three. The Colts would be one, two and one. Uh, I think it's two desperate teams. And when that happens in the NFL, it usually makes for some very entertaining football. Oh, absolutely. That it does. And we'll get into that matchup here in a second. But I want to at least start this pod, George, by kind of talking about the Colts here for a second, because we've talked a lot about, right, these first three weeks, some of the good we've seen, some of the bad we've seen, frankly, some of the ugly that we've seen so far through the first three weeks. Now that we are, you know, three games into the season, going to week number four, I feel like this is the game for the Colts that will really kind of determine their season and what kind of team they are because you have enough time now to kind of knock off the rust. You have enough time to wear new guys like Matt Ryan and Yannick Ngakwe and some of the receivers as well behind Michael Pittman Jr. have had enough time to get acclimated and kind of you know feel comfortable in the offense. Whereas now you're going to this game, I think this is the, the Colts team we see in week four on Sunday. I think it's a team that we're going to see for the most part of the season. Either I hope it's going to be the kind of a build off of the fourth quarter from the Chiefs game, but if we kind of see the same themes from weeks one to three, you know, bad offense, bad blocking, untimely, you know, getting off the field on third down to kind of the same sloppiness and frustrations we've seen for the first three weeks. I think at this point, Georgia, it's that's who the Colts are. I think this is kind of a, a measuring stick game here in week number four to kind of truly see who the Colts are. How about yourself? I agree. I mean, a lot of, in the old days uh, before the 17 game schedule, everybody talked about quarters. You know, you take the game in four, you take season in four game chunks and you mm-hmm. want to win each of those quarters. So I think it's a big game right there for that, because if you win this, you win the first quarter. If you right. lose it, you lose the first quarter. Uh, but I also think you're right. You've had now enough time. The end of that first quarter, you should be rounding into the team that you're going to be unless there's injuries or other things that are taking place. But that's not been the case with this team. The, most of the guys, aside from one notable mission who we'll talk about <laughs> later, uh, most of the guys who you expect to be on the field have been on the field. They just haven't been performing at the level that, that, you, that you want them to be at. So the, to me, the biggest thing to happen this week was Frank Reich saying they figured out what's wrong with the protection 
and it's going to be better. You know, he was unequivocal about that, which is for him that that's going out online. You know, he doesn't, he's always positive, but he very rarely says it's going to be fixed this week. And he really stopped just short of, of kind of guaranteeing that they were going to look like they're supposed to look uh, up front. And to me, that look, that's where it all begins and ends, right? That's what we've right. been talking about for three weeks. If that line and, and everybody else is involved in the pass protection plays better on Sunday and protects Matt Ryan, the offense will be better. And I think everybody will feel better about this football team. Right. We talked at nauseum, right? So far, the first three weeks, the, the poor offensive line play and really how the this team this year is going to go as far as the offensive line takes them, which going into the year, you think, okay, that's that's pretty far. But so far through the first weeks, it's been the complete opposite to where you're like, that's, I'm glad Frank Reich's been talking about that because Georgia's like, this is the week. Like this is, this is the week where we have to, like, it's enough talking. It's either they play well and okay, things are fixed. Or they don't play well and either, you know, the miscommunication issues will never get fixed. The play, it's like the players have regressed or you got to make a change. Like this has to be the line in the sand where you talk, you talk, you talk. It's going to get fixed. This has to be the week. This has to be the game against the Titans in division where things actually get fixed. Or now, you know, not heads will roll per se, but decisions and moves have to be made because there's no more now grace period. And there's no more kind of, Oh, you know, they still need a little bit more time to get ready. It's enough. It's week four. You should be ready to go. Like you said, you should be rounding into form of what kind of team you're actually going to be this year. It's put up or shut up time. I mean, I think it's 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 pretty much that that simple. The talk is done. You know, you it's got to be on the field now. You're either going to go out there and you're going to be the team that you think you can be, the team that played in the fourth quarter against Kansas City, or you're going to continue to be this inconsistent team. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to last the rest of the year, but it does mean it's going to linger too long and it's probably going to bleed into to things where it seriously hurts th- this team's goals this season. And, you know, it, this is the week. This is the time to do it. And look, the Titans are the team, right? I think for a long time, the Patriots were the game that you circled. That was, you know, that was going to be who represented yes. the AFC in the Super Bowl for a while there. Uh, and, and it was everything. And I think over the last five, six years, it, that's kind of, twisted over to the Titans. I mean, they've, they've run this division. Uh, they're the closest team in terms of like physical distance in the division. Uh, there's just a lot of things that make this rivalry a little bit different than any other game they play. And I think since at least since Frank Reich's been the head coach here and Mike Vrabel's been the head coach there, there's been this healthy tension between the two teams. Uh, and I think this is the game. Look, they've won the last three. You've got to go out there. You weren't able to end the week one streak. You weren't able to end the streak in, in Jacksonville. This is the week to do it. Absolutely. This is the weekend. And talking about a rivalry here for a second, too. I mean, it also helps when your owner, Jim Irsay, is you talk about not being shy, George. He has been very out front and open about how much he loves beating the Titans, how much it is very important to him to beat this Tennessee team. And to your point, how much the Colts have struggled and beating the Titans. They've lost three in a row, like I mentioned. They've lost four last five games after owning the Titans for over a decade. Um, and now, like I said, this has been a true rivalry, per se, and a measuring stick game for the Colts. Like I mentioned, it used to be the Patriots. Now it is the Titans. Speaking of the Titans, obviously it's going to start with Derrick Henry. This is a guy who, you know, averages over 122 rushing yards per game against the Colts. Um Really, you know, in his career so far, Ryan Tannehill, since he's taken over as a starting quarterback, 10 touchdowns and four picks um, since taking over in 2019 from Marcus Moda against the Colts. Both have played pretty well so far against the Colts. That's been in two areas that really killed them. 
George, Derrick Henry's off to a slower start in his career. He's averaging the least uh, yards per carry of his entire career so far through the season, 3.6 yards per carry, which is kind of crazy. So a guy like Derrick Henry, is this game in your mind going to come down to stopping Derrick Henry again? Or is it another area where you kind of look at that will be the key to this big Colts Titans game? I think it always does, right? I mean, I know A.J. Brown for years really just was a nightmare matchup for this team. But even then, a lot of that was set up by what Derrick Henry was doing. Uh, Brown would just kind of be the closer. He'd be the guy that'd make the big play and and, and break it open. Uh, but they've, they've got to stop Derrick Henry. And and so far, the Colts have been very good at that. The one thing they've been consistent in so far this year is, is stopping the run. Now, you can say that the caliber of running backs they face is very different than it was uh, than Just it is a little. with Derrick Henry. <laughs> Uh, although Clyde Edwards Alaire came in with some pretty good numbers and he sure. left with a zero. He left with a goose egg, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Grover Stewart has been a huge part of that. I think he's going to be a big part of the game plan again on Sunday. I saw somebody, Zach Hicks on Twitter today, uh, called him the guard butcher. I kind of like that. I think that, I think that might Ooh, be a good nickname like for him. Uh, you know, he's just been destroying people up front. He's been destroying plays up front. But what's interesting with Henry is it's a different beast uh, first of all, he's one of the best running backs in, in the NFL. Everybody knows this about him. But as big as he is and as strong as he is and as fast as he is, they don't always use him as the sledgehammer that you think they might. They like to get him outside the tackles. They'll match him up on the smaller defensive backs, get him out there in space, and let him make plays. So, yes, your guys up front have to be strong. you got to have a big game from DeForest Buckner. you got to have the guard butcher out there doing his thing. <laughs> But you got to get those guys on the edge. I mean, it's just as important. Kenny Moore, Stephon Gilmore, Brandon Faison, Isaiah Rogers, the safeties. They've got to get in there and, and get physical because those are the runs that Derrick Henry breaks for 70, 80 yards. You're 100% right. It's a good point, George. Right, because you think you're seeing the, the side of Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah, just stop, clog at the middle and you'll be good to go. You're right. Once he gets outside and, and now also some, a 5'11 defensive back trying to tackle Derrick Henry, we've seen too many viral videos of him shoving them to the ground and then be off to the races for a 20, 25, 30-yard gain, and it's over. You're right. And even, too, Bobby O'Karake, Zaire Franklin, like, you have to go sideline to sideline to, like you said, prevent and almost contain that outside edge to make sure he's not breaking free and getting, you know, a free shot on a small defensive back to kind of break a big run. Um, I'm with you to the original point. Like, it, it, even though so far Derek Henry has really struggled, and I think part of it's the offensive line and the injuries they've sustained. This team and this this game is always going to come down to Derek Henry's effectors. Can you slow him down or not? And what I really thought that was really interesting, uh, George, kind of looking back at the numbers, you go back to last year. So the entirety of the 2021 season, and so far the first three games of 2022, you look at because I would at least have thought. Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill specifically, is a lot better when Derrick Henry gets going and that, you know, the run game does predicate the pass game that's how the Titans run an offense. But you look at Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating, when Derrick Henry's run for 100 yards or more, again, either last year or this year combined, Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating is 90.4. When he's been held to under 100 yards, and remember, he missed eight games last year, so that, I'm including that also in here, Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating is 89. So it almost goes to show you that Ryan Tannehill is the same quarterback. 90 QBR versus 89 QBR, whether Derrick Henry is over 100 yards or under 100 yards, he's kind of the same guy, and you're going to get the same thing. So that's even almost more important to where, okay, you could pencil in Ryan Tannehill as a known commodity, two touchdowns, maybe one pick. He's played pretty well against the Colts. But if you stop Derrick Henry and force then Ryan Tannehill to be the guy and win the game with his arm, more times than not, you're going to be out ahead of that, and you're going to win the game. So to your point, it almost underscores even more 
You have to slow down Derrick Henry. You have to feast on what is right now a banged up offensive line and win the line of scrimmage on the defensive side. I think on Sunday, the very best unit on this football team was the defensive line. And I think they need that again, uh, again this week, you know, that kind of effort that they had getting after Patrick Mahomes, shutting down the run. If they can do that again on Sunday, contain Ryan Tannehill the same way, because he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he has hurt the Colts a lot getting outside the pocket and making things happen with his feet. And that's going to be another key in this game. You know, they, they really kept Mahomes from doing that. Uh, he has a different style, obviously. When he gets outside the pocket, he's still looking downfield. But they were able to keep him from getting those big plays. They need to do the same thing to Tannehill this week. Uh, and then they need to just – that defensive front has to do what it did and control the line of scrimmage and, and win up front. If they do that on Sunday, I think they have a really good chance to win. You're right, and this team is, is predicated to – they can get pressure with four, whether it's pass pressure like last week or really this week kind of clogging those run lanes. They're going to have, you know, like I say, they're going to be in business for sure defensively. It's one of the best run teams so far through three weeks in the NFL for the Colts. And one of the biggest boosts this Colts defense can receive, especially trying to slow down Derrick Henry, is obviously the return of number 53, Shaquille Leonard. Same thing so far this week, George. He's practicing just like each of the previous three weeks so far. We right now, as we record this on Thursday, are not sure of his game status. Um, he definitely, at least speaking of the meet on Thursday, put it out there um, that if he was healthy and ready to play, he would be out there. He's not, you know, holding himself back or not, you know, healthy enough to play, but just kind of trying to take it easy. He has made it well known, George. If he's healthy to go, he will play. We don't know how healthy he is for Sunday. Obviously, it's going to be a huge boost if he can play, but at least maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. Was anyone really questioning Shaquille Leonard's toughness, or was there really doubts about whether he truly was healthy enough to play in any of these three weeks so far? I think you know you look you look deep enough on Twitter, you'll find anything, right? I mean, it, it doesn't matter that somebody's questioning everything somewhere out there, and I think Shaquille's one of those guys that looks for that stuff. You know, it fuels him. He's he's been very open about that. He reads everything. Uh, he finds every slight. Ask Aaron Rodgers. You know, he he congratulated Fred Warner after a game and it somehow got back to Shaq and, and, you know, he brought it up to Rogers on the field. So, uh, you know, he, he's that kind of guy. I, I think it's funny to me because I have had some questions on Twitter about it. And I, look, if, if you're questioning, first of all, I don't question the commitment or the, the pain threshold for any player in the NFL, because I can tell you right now, I'm not lasting a snap in this league. <laughs> uh, and I think it's, it's amazing. Some of the things that, that these guys come back from, you know, from play to play, let alone from week to week. Uh, but even within that group where you're talking about guys that are super tough and, and super durable, Shaq Leonard to me is a 53rd guy on this roster that I would question his commitment to this team or to this game or his level, of, you know, handling pain. He played pretty much his first three, four years in this league with an ankle injury, you know, if he could be out there, he he would be out there. One of the things he said today that I think was really striking was that right now he feels like this team's better with Zaire Franklin because of where he's at physically. And it would be selfish of him to go out there and take that spot. He's going to hurt the football team. If you are a better team with a healthy Zaire Franklin, then it takes a big man to stand up and admit that. In my mind, uh, and he wants to make sure that when he's back, he's back. He doesn't want to be dealing with this all year again. He doesn't want to be in and out and, you know, he doesn't want to be one of these guys that's playing 10 or 15 snaps when he's on the field, he wants to play and give it hundred percent. So when, whenever he's activated, if it's Sunday, if it's three weeks from now, 
you're going to know he's going to play every snap. It's not going to be, you know, working back in and, and let that happen. He's going to get that done in practice. But I also think it's, it's easy to forget he had back surgery. We're not talking about all injuries in the NFL are tough, but we're talking about something really specific here. And you got to be really careful with that. You know, there's a lot of nerve situations going on. There's a lot of other things kind of beneath whatever the, the, the big issue was that you got to make sure all that's there. And he said, when he first got back on the field, he was really stiff. He didn't feel like himself. It's gotten better every week. It's gotten better this week, but he's not going to go back out there until, and the team has said it as well. They're watching tape of him last year. They're watching tape of him now, and he's not going to be back out there until that matches until he looks like himself. And I don't know why anybody uh, maybe other than opposing teams would, <laughs> would have any other perspective on this than that. I mean, you want him back there. Obviously, they're missing him. I mean, the big plays, the splash plays, the sacks, the interceptions, the forced fumbles that he brings are are the biggest thing missing from this defense right now. There's no question that they, that they miss him. But you want him out there at 100%, and you want to make sure that he's able to play 10 more years after this or however long his career is, that it's not this season and it's taking years off the end of his career. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I think he's doing the right thing. I think he'll be out there the very millisecond that he can be. Uh, and I, I just think it's incredibly silly to, to question this guy's commitment or his, you know, desire to play the game of football. George, I could not agree more. Like you said, he has mentioned before how he basically has played his entire NFL career so, career so far with some sort of injury, not 100%. And this surgery in theory, was supposed to get him the healthiest he's been in his NFL career. And like you said, you don't want to rush back a week or two too early and kind of screw that entire timeline up. Not to mention, you mentioned back surgery. Like that is, you can make the argument, like the, the back is the most finicky injury and body part when it comes to a professional athlete of almost any injury. I mean, look, this is just me personally. I've had a, you know, my lower back is, is basically shot. And it's like even the other week. I, I sneezed, George, wrong. I threw my lower back and like for the next three days, I could barely walk. So it's like, it, it, it just gets triggered by the smallest things. And you almost feel like paralyzed. You can't walk. You can't bend over. So obviously you want to take it slow and make sure he's a hundred percent. And like you mentioned too, he hasn't done anything all off season, like literally nothing. The last time he put cleats on before the first practice leading into week one of game week was week 18 in Jacksonville. So you spent what is that? Eight months, eight and a half months doing literally nothing football related, basically rehabbing, trying to figure out the injury and then needing a second surgery because the rehab so far is not going as planned. And then, like you said, the first week he's sore. Yeah, obviously he's going to be sore. Like, why would anyone else think he's practicing? Oh, he's going to be good to go for the Texans week one, or maybe he'll return a week or two when he's done literally nothing. These guys train all year round, 24 seven to be in tip top shape for week one. And you think a guy who has been just rehabbing and been unable to really do a lot of off-season work for eight months is going to come back and after a week or two practice, going to be ready to go. And like I said, play at a high enough level where it's not just on the field, but he's not a liability. 
And I'm glad you brought up the Zaire Franklin point of him saying he's not better than Zaire Franklin right now. You know how big of a man you have to be to admit that? Like, it takes a lot of self-awareness and just, like, almost confidence yourself to say, right now where my level of play is, I am not the best guy for this position. Like, a lot of us in our jobs, if we have someone replacing us and we want to get back, usually it's like, oh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just rush back. I'm okay. A lot of the doctors. It takes, it takes a big man. To admit, you know what? Right now, even though I'm dying to be out there, I'm not good enough to give this team a winning chance. I respect the hell out of that. And like you said, there should be no one questioning his toughness or his actual health of if he's available to play. Because like you said, this is the guy that he lives, breathes, and eats football. If he was actually able to play, he'd be out there, no questions asked. Yeah, and if he thought he was the best option for this team, he'd be out there, no no questions asked. He'd fight through whatever it was. Uh, but, you know, like you said, I, to, to have that kind of self-awareness and understand, and Zaire Franklin's played good football. You know, yes. give some credit to Zaire Franklin. He's out there, and, and he's doing the job. It's a tough assignment for him. He's not Shaquille Leonard. There's a reason Shaquille Leonard's a three-time All-Pro. You don't just kind of find those guys right. anywhere. But he's doing his job, and he's doing it at, at a level that right now that even Shaq says is probably better than at least through the first three weeks, Shaq could have done it. And that, to me, is that's being – a team guy that that's putting the team first. That's not being selfish and, and not, you know, yeah, he could go out there and hurt the team, but what good is that? Who's that helping? Especially for a game of this magnitude, George, you're right. You can't like, cause that's the thing too. The same people criticizing Shaq Leonard for quote unquote, not being tough enough. I get it's a very small, you know, vocal minority, but then if he's a step slow or getting run over by, De- uh, by, you know, Derek Henry or can't cover a tight end getting beat, same people are going to be criticizing him. What is he doing on the field? Why is he not look 100%? It's one of those where it's like you fight the the small people that just are unrealistic on, on Twitter and social media that just their perspectives are just so wonky that you don't win. You know, it's one of those you lose no matter what situations. But you're right. There absolutely should be no questioning. If he can return this weekend, be, I mean, can't even obviously state how big of a, a boost that would be for this Colts defense, especially when it comes to slowing down Derrick Henry. Much needed fingers crossed he's out there. But like I said, there's no reason. Uh, to absolutely question uh, his toughness and his want to to be on the field for sure. A lot of questions, George, on the other side of the ball for the Colts have been on the offense, offensive line, especially we've we've talked a lot about right now. Uh, their issues, Frank Reich, like you mentioned before, the miscommunications he says will be cleaned up this week specifically. This is a very interesting and a good test for the Colts because you look at this Titans team so far through three weeks. They have been very, very leaky against the run. They've been one of the worst teams in the NFL this year so far through three games at slowing down the run. They're allowing the most explosive runs, which are 12 or more yards. Uh, they're allowing that at the highest rate in the NFL at 13%. Uh, that is via true media. So easy to basically, in layman's terms, this defense has been very leaky when it comes to the run. Jonathan Taylor's really not had a lot of success against the Titans, only averaging 48 yards per game in, in his three games he's played. This should be a game, George, on paper where the Colts run game should, if everything is clicking, should be able to take off. That's uh, It looks that way. You know, if, if everything goes the way it did through the first three weeks, this should be the week that they can get things going. And if they don't, it's going to be a really big red flag. I think that's one of the things like you were talking about before. You're going to find out a lot about this football team right now. Uh, this run defense has struggled for Tennessee. Uh, and, and I think longest run of the year so far for Jonathan Taylor is 21 yards, which for him is is not really impressive. Um, you know, where, where he's been at, uh, it's not his kind of standard in, in, in what we we've seen him to be. Uh, and certainly the last couple of weeks, he hasn't been the guy he wants to be specifically against the chiefs when he only got three yards per carry, 
which is he's a five yards per carry guy. That's what he's been his right. entire career. Uh, and I think this is if, if you don't get back around there again on Sunday, that's going to be a big red flag. The other side of that is Tennessee's really good at disguising what they do in the pass pressures. You know, they, they have really good pressures. They do a really good job of, of kind of hiding who's coming. That's been a big problem for the Colts all year. So I think both of those ends, it's a really good test. Can you take advantage of what's been a struggling run defense and become that that kind of bully that, that you envision yourself to be on offense? And can you solve some pass protection problems against a team that can cause difficulties in that regard? It's a big week for the offensive line all the way around. It's a great litmus test. Like I said, that has to be, that's going to be the position where, where, you know, we'll make or break this game for sure. They should have a lot of success against, like I said, a banged up, uh, Titan second or uh, defense, excuse me. No Harold Landry, you know, they're their premier, you know, pass rusher on the outside. He's out for the season, unfortunately, for a 20 ACL. Jeffrey Simmons has been a, uh, you know, a man possessed. He's been a great defensive tackle. That's going to, you know, be a great test, whether it's for Danny Pinter, whether it's for Ryan Kelly, whether it's for Braden Smith. Like, this is, like you said, this is going to be the game where we are going to truly kind of see who this Colts team is. On the midweek pod, we asked what their identity of the Colts is. We will know the identity of this team coming out uh, of this game on Sunday afternoon, whether it's something to feel good about or it's one of those where it's, you know what, not too us. I look at the draft boards there, George. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of crazy. It's like in week four, but. Well, and it's week four, but it's week three in the division. And I think that's yeah. another big part about True. this. We talked about it all offseason long. You're playing so many division games. This year, third division game, you don't have a win in the division yet. If you go 0-2-1 in the division, it's going to be hard to win a tiebreaker the rest of the way. I mean, I don't know how the season's going to play out, but you better be one game better than than whoever's on top of that board because you start off 0-2-1 against your division foes, it's, it doesn't end well for you more often than not. And this is also, I think, a big game for Matt Ryan because you look now, it's there's a lot of similarities with this Colts and this Titans offense. Obviously, they're led by their premier running back. But it's like you look to, okay, the Titans trade away A.J. Brown in the offseason. Their receiving core is basically Traylon Burks. They brought in Robert Woods and then, you know, uh, Nicholas Westbrook-Akina. Like, not a lot of guys that are really kind of household names or big threats. The Colts, I mean, you look, it's Michael Pittman Jr. and then really no one else. Both offenses, especially the skill positions, are kind of similar. And if you're Matt Ryan, yeah, I'm sorry, you can't get out dueled by, by Ryan Tannehill, especially in your own house. You work with similar weapons. If you cannot play better than Ryan Tannehill, I thought the Colts are the best quarterback in the division going to this year. I have to seriously reevaluate it. If we're sitting here coming out of uh, of Sunday evening and it's another game where, Ryan, uh, where Matt Ryan struggles and the other quarterback is the better quarterback in the game. Yeah, you know, I think we've seen Matt Ryan do some things in the fourth quarter that are kind mm-hmm. of showing what, what can happen. You need to see it in the first three now. You know, he's got to have – he's got to put together 60 minutes. Uh, a good opening drive would be huge for this team. That hasn't happened cool. yet this year. You know, I'm not even necessarily – points would be really huge, but just a good – opening drive that ends with a kick would Getting be a two first really downs. good thing. You know, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it, it's been really ugly out of the gate. And I think just getting started fast would be really big for this team. Uh, but I, I want to see the fourth quarter, Matt Ryan, in the first, second, and third quarters. That's what I want to see on Sunday. I'm with you, right? Play a full game, and that's the offensive line. That's Matt Ryan. The defense has done that for at least last week for sure. Played a full 60 minutes. Um, but I like that. That's a good point, George. Start fast because this Colts team, that's the opposite of what they've done so far through the first three games is get off to a fast start. All right. Behind enemy lines does uh, return this week. Blaine Bishop 
former Titans defensive back. He will go behind him and line, kind of give us the skinny so far on this revamped Titans team through three weeks. Is this still the Titans division in his mind to lose? And we'll also get his thoughts on Derrick Henry's struggle so far. We'll talk to Blaine Bishop in the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Does return.